kingdom as the center of our daily lives. And so for us uh, as believers in Jesus, that's so vitally important is that we keep the power of Christ's provision and his forgiveness uh, at the center of our lives and that we don't walk away from this life without recognizing that we must be centered in Jesus. And so, uh, man, this series has been really good. We've been walking through a few things. Uh, first, we walked through kingdom things. Uh, we walked through Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Uh, and then we walked through uh, a, a sermon called Righteous Things, which uh, we walked through Matthew chapter 6. And then last week, we spent some time walking through religious things things where uh, James, the brother of Jesus, uh, instructed us that if we were to have true religion, then we need to control our tongues and uh, that we need to walk rightly before him and to care for the orphan and the widow. And so um, this week, I want to walk us through a sermon titled Reflective Things, Reflective Things. And so that's sort of a double entendre for us is that uh, I want us to take a moment to reflect uh, on our lives, but at the same time, I want us to be reflecting the glory of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we want to walk you through that this morning. And so um, I'll be in James chapter one again. Um, I was there last week. I'm here again in verse 22 through 24. And so uh, we'll read these words and then we'll jump in. So um, if anybody is gracious enough to the pastor to grab me a bottle of water, I'm not doing, I'm not doing good up here. And I drove this other one and I didn't replace it myself. So uh, <laughs> thank you for whoever it is that's going to give me a bottle of water that loves me. Hey, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Loves his pastor. That's, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> so Man, we love to have fun here. Like, we don't think church should be a stuffy place. Like, we think church should be a place of celebration, right? And so, like, we want to celebrate Jesus, and we want to have a good time at the same time. So I'm going to tell some jokes. I'm going to laugh. Um, and so, uh, but at the same time, this is serious business when it comes to the Word of God. And so uh, we're going to jump into that right now. So James chapter 1. Verse 22 through 24. If you don't have the Bible with you, uh, we'll have it up here for you on the screen so that you can follow along. And we're reading from the Christian standard version of the, of the scripture. So hear these words of our father. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word, excuse me, and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately, somebody say immediately, forgets what kind of person he was. Father, thank you uh, for this time, God. We thank you for this moment, Jesus, where we uh, get to pursue the main thing, God, which is you uh, and your kingdom through your word. And so, Father, I pray, God, that in this moment, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, how um, to hear from you. God, teach us how to hear from your word. God, teach us how to worship you in spirit and in truth. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that 
Lord, as the word goes forward, God, that it would uh, penetrate our hearts, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the word would uh, get deep down into the marrow of our souls. And, Father, that when we hear these words of life, that we might respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And, Father, it's in that same spirit, Lord, that I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth, God. Make me disappear up here, God, and you show up flat-footed and proclaim your word to your people. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, and who I place all of my trust in the whole church says, amen. This is different. (laughs) Uh, It's an upgrade. Somebody really loved me. That's that's good. Hey, brother, you got to wait until I finish my my part. You can't leave yet because it's all about you. So, if you don't know, I'm, a, I'm an identical twin. That's him back there. That's the one that brought me to big water. Uh, <laughs> and so, when we were younger, we, we weren't raised by our mom. Our, our aunt raised us, and um, she, she lived down in North Carolina with my, with, my, um, with my uncles and stuff like that. And so, we would, at times, we would go down, we would drive down to North Carolina to visit my mom. And so, when we would go to visit her, um, you know, it was always a good time. So one time we were down there visiting her and we were in a little store because um, she lives in a small town called Salisbury, North Carolina. Anybody ever heard of that? No. Oh, you have. Winning. Sal- she says Salisbury steak. Uh, <laughs> folks is hungry. Uh, so <laughs> uh, she lives in a little town called Salisbury, North Carolina. It's very country there. Um, and you can hardly understand what people are saying because they say thinning and y'all and all that stuff like that. But uh, we went down there, and so we're in this little store, and we're walking around. And it was getting close to closing time, and so, you know, it's the South. So, you know, when the guy's ready, he's like, hey, it's shutting down time. And so he starts clicking off the lights. And so my aunt tells me, she says, go and get your brother. And so I said, okay, I'm looking for my brother. And so I'm going in the store, and I can't find my brother. I'm like, where is my brother at? Like, where is he? And so we used to do this little thing when we were little. We used to call each other brother. Like, that's we didn't say each other's names. We just said brother. And everybody thought it was so cute. Oh, they say brother. So we would do that. And I'm walking around the store, and I'm like, brother, brother, where are you, brother? Like, I'm asking for my brother. And so we're in a, a little clothing store, right? And so there is a bunch of mirrors in the store. And so I'm walking around, and then I finally see my brother. And I'm like, brother, we got to go. And so I start walking towards my brother, and then boom, I walk right into a mirror. I walked into a reflection of myself that I thought was my brother because we look so much alike. <laughs> now, it's bad. I can't even tell us apart in family pictures. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I can't even tell us apart. My wife is like, how don't you know? Like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who I am. <laughs> but I want to submit this to us, is that some of us are running into things in our life because we've forgotten who we are. See, some of us are walking into things in our lives and, and we're walking face first into some stuff is because we have forgotten who we are. And so I want to help us this morning to understand who we are by helping us to reflect on the things of God and to reflect on the things that we ought to be focusing on, which is the main thing, which is Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And so I want to help us walk that out this morning. But I want to submit this idea to you is that pursuing the main thing means that you have to be reflective. 
Pursuing the main thing means that you must be reflective. You must take time to reflect on your circumstance. You must take time to reflect on your situation. You must take time to reflect on your life and to properly discern and align the way that your life should be and the direction that your life is going. And so I want to give us a clear picture of how that looks here from the scriptures, because that's all I got is the word. And so I want to help us walk this out and see this uh, from what James, the brother of Jesus, has to say. And so if we're going to be reflective, somebody say reflective. If we're going to be reflective, then we must have reflective hearing. We must have reflective hearing here, uh, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. See, James is calling us here to being. We love to be here, right? We talk all about being. I preach the whole series about being, and then we talk about being. We paint portraits with the word be on it because we just love to exist inside of what God has called us to exist inside of. We don't want to just be a bunch of people who are doing a bunch of things for the sake of doing them. We want to be a people who do because we are. And so we, because we be, so we, we want to walk this out. Like we want to, we want to, want to help you understand this here that he's calling them to this. He said, he says, but be doers of the word. The word for be here is a word that, that means to prove yourself. In other words, James saying, he said, he said, I want you to prove yourself to be a doer of the word of God. See, oftentimes what we do is we proclaim with our lips that we obey the word of God, but we don't actually obey the word of God. See, we will proclaim with our, our, our lips that we actually trust Jesus, but when it comes down to it, we don't actually trust in Jesus. See, we, we, we say that we have faith in God and that we want to have enough, we have enough faith to move mountains, but the second that a little caterpillar or molehill gets in front of your way, guess what you do? You lose every sign of faith that you thought you had. And so he's calling us here to be. He's saying, prove yourself to be a doer. The only way to become a doer of the word is to be reflective about your current alignment. See, we have to be reflective about where we currently are with Jesus if we are going to progress in where we are going with Jesus. See, if we aren't reflecting on where we are, and you see, so many of us spend so much time just going and just moving and just doing that we never take a moment to reflect on where we are with Jesus and our relationship with him, to take a moment to consider how we could even begin to grow. And so we sit in this moment, and I want to call us to to being reflective. I want to call us to have minds that are fixed on focusing on our relationship with Jesus and not just focusing on the things that we want. See, we're called to pursue the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And we are agents of his kingdom who go and proclaim the goodness of God to a lost and dying world. And so what we have to do is that we have to properly consider how our lives are functioning and how our faith is lining up with what we actually say from our mouths. Y'all tracking with me? Y'all good? <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So listen, the, the word here for prove yourself, it, it you know... It, It's telling us that we, in other words, we have to be married to being doers. Anybody in relationships and in marital relationships, you you understand that if you just say I love you and you don't do anything to prove that you love them, it's not going to work out for you. 
anybody who's saying like, yeah, like I love Shorty, like that's my bae, like you know what I'm saying, I'm trying to be with her forever and all that stuff like that. Like if you talk like that, but then you don't actually do anything to show forth your love towards them, then guess what? They're going to consider you a hypocrite and a phony and they ain't going to want to be with you no more. And so what I want us to see here is, is that he's calling us to be married, to being doers of the word. He's calling us to be committed to being doers of the word. He's calling us not just to be, but to become doers of the word. So here's what that means. That that means that you have to continuously grow in your relationship with Jesus and you can't get stagnant. That means that you have to be continuously working towards growth in Jesus so that you can reach the place that he wants you to be. You have never arrived in Jesus. You have never arrived in Jesus. You ain't made it. <laughs> like you think you made it, like you made it out the hood and all that stuff like that. All the things that you did, you went and got an education, you went and got a degree, you got you a good piece of job, a state job and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is spiritually, you have not made it yet. And you won't make it until you get the glory. <laughs> but listen, and that's good news because one day we're going to be with him. And we don't know what we shall be, but we know that we will be like him. And so we got to focus on this and we got to become what Jesus wants us to become. Here's a question I want to ask you. Will you do what the word says even when it's hard? Will you do what the word says even when it's hard? See, it's hard to do what the word says when your feelings get in the mix. It's hard to do what the word says when your emotions get all tangled up and twisted up inside of what you're supposed to be doing. See, when, 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 you, uh, when you're supposed to obey the word of God, here's what we say. Well, I was just too angry. Well, why don't you calm your little self down then and stop being angry and figure out how to talk to people the proper way. But we go ahead and we just move and we just we just consume and we just we just do things out of, out of a sense of doing them. But we don't ever take the time to stop and to be reflective about where we are with Jesus. Ninety nine percent of the relational difficulties that you have would be solved if you would just stop your mouth and stop and consider and reflect on what Jesus would have you to do in that moment. If you would just stop talking for a little bit, then you would be able to reflect. Hold on. I, I know the situation seems a little tough, and I don't know who they think they're talking to, but I know that I don't have to respond to them with the same vitriol that they responded to me with, and I can respond to them and love and communicate the grace of God to them and forgiveness to them, even though they're not treating me how I wanted to be treated right now. And so we can walk in that. We can do that. Like, and we're called to become that. We're called to be that. We're called to be doers of the word. Here's another question for you. Will you do what the word says when no one's watching? See, we're, we're good at doing what the word says when other people are around. Like we're good at doing what the word says when, when we know that we're going to be in front of people and people are going to be watching us. But will you do what the word says when no one is watching? Will you do what the word, I know I wasn't going to get a whole lot of claps on that one or amens on that one, but listen, will you do what the word of God says even when you know you can get away with it? See, we, 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 we go out, we go out of town and we do stuff and we think, oh, nobody, I don't know nobody here uh, in this place. Don't nobody know me. I can just kind of do what I want to do. I can hop on Tinder and create an account and then delete it once I leave. You know, say, well, we, we do that kind of stuff. 
Well, we do what the word of God says, even when we think we can get away with not doing what the word says. See, and that's what we're called to do. Like we're called to, to, to being doers of the word. Here's what he says. He says, listen, you got to be a doer. The word doer here is a word that means to be a maker, a producer, an author, or a performer of something. So, in other words, when it comes to obeying the word of God, you got to put forth some effort in doing it. When it comes to obeying the word of God, you've got to make some steps in order to make that a reality in your life. It's not going to happen by osmosis. Jesus is just going to come and you're just going to be following the word. No, it's not going to happen like that. You've got to put some energy and some effort into it. And here's the good news. We learned about this a few weeks ago is that even as you're working, Jesus gives you the energy and the power to be able to work according to his perfect will in your life. And so guess what? You don't even work with your own energy. You work with the energy that Jesus provides you with. And so you've got to put in some effort. And guess what? When you put in some effort, here's what he does. He puts some more effort on your back and allows you to walk forward in what he calls you to do. When you put for some effort, guess what he does? He drops some courage in your heart to allow you to go and confess your sins towards those who you sinned against. When you do the things that God has called you to do, he will strengthen you for the task that's ahead of you. You've got to be a producer, a performer, a maker. When it comes to obeying the word of God, you can't sit back and just think that the word is going to c- come into your heart and you're just going to figure out how to do it somehow, some kind of way. No, you got to put effort towards it. In other words, you got to have a mamba mentality when it comes to doing what the word says. Many of us were saddened this week by the death of Kobe Bryant. I know I was. I sat on my couch all day Monday and just watched the thing and I just was watching it and I didn't move like and I was just sad. But. As I was watching, I learned some things about the brother that I didn't know before, and I began to understand some things about him that I didn't understand before. Because if you were like me, like you didn't like Kobe Bryant while he was a player. <laughs> I didn't. I thought he was arrogant and all that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, my brother, my twin, he's a Lakers fan for some odd reason. Uh, <laughs> and so you imagine our home <laughs> coming up, watching basketball games. But you got to have a mama mentality. Here's what his mama mentality is, is that Kobe Bryant was committed to outworking every person in his field. He was committed to outworking everybody who stepped on the basketball court with him at any time and at any place. And that didn't just happen for basketball. That translated into every area of his life. And so as I was listening to some of the, the, the tributes to him, one of the tributes that stood out to me was one by uh, another basketball player by the name of Jay Williams. And Jay Williams, he, his career ended really early because he was in a, in, a, in a motorcycle accident. And so, But his first game playing against Kobe Bryant, he said, man, I need to get to the gym early because <laughs> Kobe is going to give me numbers. And so he went to the gym early. And guess who was already at the gym when he got there? Kobe. And so as he's there, Kobe's already in the gym shooting shots at full speed, game, all that stuff like that. And so Jake Williams, he works out and he goes for like an hour and a half and then he finishes, he goes to sit down and he starts tying, untying his shoes and he hears the ball still bouncing. And he's like, man, like Kobe's still going. He was in here before I got in here and he's still in here. And he's like, how in the world is he going to have the energy to play this game when he's already exerted himself fully now that he's just practicing? And so the game went on, and guess what? Kobe gave him numbers. <laughs> he put up like 37 or 40 points on him. And so he asked him, Jay Williams asked him after the game, he said, Kobe, how, how, like, 
man, like you were in there before me and, 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 and I finished up and you were still in there. How in the world did you have the energy to do that? And he said to him, Kobe Bryant said to, to Jay Williams, he said, I knew that you were coming in here to get an extra reps and I wasn't going to let you outwork me. That's what he said to him. And as believers in Jesus Christ, guess what? We should be committed to not letting anybody outwork us and being doers of the word. We shouldn't let anybody outwork us in our obedience to Jesus and obeying his word and his commands. Like we ought to have a firm commitment to have this mentality that we're not going to allow anybody or any person in our life to outpace us in our obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you willing to push when no one else is pushing? Are you, are you willing to push the issues of, of, of Christ when, when everybody else is sort of taking a seat back and, and saying, well, the culture is going in this direction? Are you willing to push for Jesus? Are you willing to search the scriptures when no one else is searching the scriptures? Are, are you willing to take the a time to say, listen, I know this is a challenging situation, but I believe the word of God has an answer for us. And if we just search the scriptures, I think we could figure this out relationally. I tell people all the time, I, I said, I don't have no special magic in, like, premarital counseling with people. I don't. I say, hey, do y'all like each other? Cool. <laughs> you attracted to her? Bet. Like, do, like, like are, are you good? Like, like, you think he's handsome? Like, oh, good. We good money then. So, now, do, do you know what the Bible is? Yeah, okay, you know what the Bible is. Uh, are, do, are you committed to obeying what the Word of God says for you to do? It, yeah? No, 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 you're not sure? Well, if you're committed to doing the word of God says, then guess what? You can live out this married life according to how the word calls you to do it. If you're willing to submit to the word of God that tells you sometimes to quiet your mouth instead of speaking, the word of God that tells you to be gentle instead of being rough all the time with your spouse, like it's beyond me how we talk to our spouse worse than we talk to other people. Like, we talk to our spouse like they, they just a straight-up enemy. <laughs> like, instead of talking to them like they're the person who God has endeared to us and the person who God has given us as a gift to love on and to serve and to commit ourselves to, like, we got to readjust ourselves and align our perspectives. Are you willing to dig deep when no one else is digging deep? Like, that's the question at hand. Like, will you do that? And so the word for, for doers, it means to be a producer, a maker, a performer, and all that stuff like that. But here's what the word also means. It carries this beautiful sense. Now, my little artsy folks, you're going to like this. <laughs> it carries this beautiful sense of being a poet. So to be a doer of the word has a sense of being a poet for Jesus. Here's what, it, here's what I'm telling you. In other words, what I'm saying to you is that your commitment to being a doer of the word will produce a poetic song to the world. Your commitment to being a doer of the word will create a poetic song to the world. See, my creative folks, they like that. It'll create a, a, a sound to the world. It will create a melody to the world that they won't be able to resist. The grace of God is irresistible. It is. It's irresistible. And so you, people might try to shake it and they may try to run from it their whole lives and all that kind of stuff. And that might be true for some of you. You ran from Jesus your whole life and you tried to stay away from him and all that kind of stuff. But his grace was so irresistible that he reached down into the muck and the mire and he grabbed you up and he placed your feet on solid ground. 
And so what we have to realize is this, is that when we are doers of the word, when we are not just hearers of the word only, when we're doers of the word, it creates a poetic sound to the culture that they cannot resist. Here's what the word, listen, he's telling them the word. He said the word is this. The word he uses here for word is not, it's the word logos. And so we, to understand this word properly, you've got to understand that this word was first used by uh, a Greek philosopher by the name of Heraclitus. And he first used the term around 600 B.C., long before Jesus uh, showed up in the flesh on the scene. But he used this word to designate the divine reason or plan which coordinates a changing universe. Let me help you. He understood way back then that the universe didn't create anything on his own. (laughs) He understood way back then that the universe was changing, but God was unchanging. He understood back then that there was something that was moving the universe, not the universe moving everything. He understood that. And so we have to understand that as well. And he wanted to have a word that communicated that so clearly. And that word was this word, lagos. He's saying that this word, it, it has a force behind it to help us understand that there is something producing the things that we see in our life and the things that are happening in our life. And it's not the universe itself. It is the word of God. How do I know? Because the book of John, John goes on to tell us, he says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then he goes on to point us, he says, he says, then the word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus right now. He's laying out for them that this understanding that the word of God is the, is the thing that created everything and that set everything into motion and that he is the one who is sustaining everything right now. And so the reason that your life hasn't fallen completely apart is because of the word of God that's sustaining your life and that's holding you and that's holding you up and keeping you from falling by the wayside. talking about the personal wisdom or the power and the union of God and it's a minister it's referring to him being a minister in creation he, he is the procurement of man's salvation this word is referring to the second person of the Godhead who 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 shone forth his deeds and his works 2,000 years ago when he came to the earth but he's still showing forth his deeds and his works as he's working in your life and transforming you and creating something in you that you couldn't create in yourselves so you can't just be doers of the word you can't just be uh be he said be doers of the word and not hearers only or else you deceive yourself you know hearers you been, you, you, if you've been in any kind of relationship, you've heard, you've heard the statement, or you've made the statement. You're not really agreeing with one another, right, as you're talking, and you say, you're not listening to me. I might have said that yesterday. <laughs> you're not listening to me. I should have turned around like the comedians do, like this. I don't know. I want people looking at their mouth while they're drinking, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. But you, you say, you're not listening to me. And what do they say? Yeah, I am. I'm listening to you. No, you hear me, but you're not listening. Basically what James is saying here. He said, don't just be a hearer only. You got to listen. And listening implies that you're going to uh, put something into action. 
And so it's often suggested that the church is, its primary purpose is to be the educational arm of the kingdom of God. So in other words, the church has been given the responsibility to be the entity that provides spiritual education information to those who have received life-changing, the life-changing love of God through Jesus Christ. And so the textbook for that classroom uh, called the church is the Word of God. It's the Bible. And in the Bible, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 16, it says that Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. How many of you use the word rebuke this week? <laughs> like, how many of you use the word reproof this week? Like, those are things that we primarily think about, but rebu- rebuke and reproof is probably the function that's most relevant to our understanding of listening and pursuing the main thing because reproof deals with the dismantling and the dis- demolishing of perspectives and paradigms that don't align with the word of God. And so if you're going to have your paradigm shift, if shifted, if you are going to have your perspective changed, then guess what? You need to adhere to the word of God. It's the word of God that shifts your perspectives. It's the word of God that changes your paradigms. And you need to know that your purpose is on the other side of your perspective. See, your purpose in life is on the other side of your perspective and your relationships. When you go into relationships and your perspective is off, guess what? You don't walk in the purposes that God has aligned for your relationships because you're too busy thinking about yourself and you're too busy thinking about how you didn't get what you thought you should have gotten in the relationship. Instead of seeing it as something that God has called you to be an ambassador in and something that God has called you to be uh, to be a vessel in that he will use to transform somebody else's heart and to help point out their blind spots and to help them grow and see the ways in which that they need to be in aligned with Jesus more clearly. That's why you got to get in a small group. So sign up for small groups. Plug. Download the Church Center app and find Epiphany Church of Wilmington on there and download it. And then you can sign up for groups. You can register for events like Financial Peace University. And you can sign up for a group and check your kids in. Don't forget to pre-check your kids. It's working now, by the way. I didn't. It wasn't working before the function, but it's working now. You can check your kids in while you're at home. Sorry about that. It's a little plug. <laughs> Shameless plugs. No shame. <laughs> See, there's a, there's a way that we see, the, see life and the world and the people in it that's fundamentally flawed. Here's how I know. You always think somebody's after you. You always think people are trying to get you. Well, they just don't like me. Why? Well, I don't know. They just don't like me. <laughs> you have a flawed way of seeing the world. You have a flawed way of seeing people. If, if you were to see people and align them in the spaces that they, that they should be in, and you would stop considering everybody to be in a space that they're not in, like we get ourselves hurt and set up when we don't have the right perspective about relationships. That's what happens. We're expecting people to be something that they aren't able to be for us, And then we get disappointed when they're not what we expect them to be for us. No, no, no. 
Get your perspective together. See clearly. Reflect. Do some reflection on your relationship. Do some reflection on your relationship with Jesus so that you can be properly aligned with him. Y'all tracking with me? So, you know, he says, he says, listen, don't just be a hearer only. Or else you deceive yourself. <laughs> like, you, what's the worst place to be? Is to mislead your own self. Like, how can you, <laughs> like, you're supposed to be going somewhere, like, and you just mislead yourself. Like, I know some people, they have a very bad sense of direction. Like, my friend, like, he... He can't even get, like, he don't even know how to get to his mom's house without putting in the GPS. And I'm like, bro, like, I know how you get to your mom's house. Like, what's up with you? Like, and he just doesn't, he, his sense of direction is terrible. And so we find that to be strange when people do, have a terrible sense of direction like that. Like, I know everybody's not, like, a super navigator. But when, when you mislead yourself, like, that's a very bad place to be. But here James is, is, is showing us, he said, listen, when you only hear the word and you don't do it, guess what you've done? You've misled yourself. When you only hear the word and you don't respond with action and take the proper time to reflect on what you should do in a situation versus just acting, guess what? You delude yourself. And so we, we can't deceive ourselves. We can't delude ourselves. Like we have to have a commitment to understanding how to move throughout this life the way that God wants us to move. And if you don't want to delude yourself, here's what you got to do. You must be reflective about what you see. That's my next idea. You got to have a reflective sight. So here's what he says. Y'all good? All right. I'm going to keep going if y'all good. Because I still got time. I didn't set the timer in the first service, and I didn't know where I was, and I was just nervous, like, I'm going to be here. You have my back. I appreciate you, brother. Verse 24, here's what it says. He says, for he, or she, looks at themselves, and they, they go away, and they immediately forget what kind of person they were. No, I'm not there. I'm at verse 23. He says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone who is looking at his own face in a mirror. So what James is telling us, he's calling us to be attentive and to consider our own face. Follow with me. He's calling us to perceive and understand our own face when we get in the mirror. See, one of the other weird things me and my brother used to do when we were kids, we stand in front of each other because we look so much alike. Stand in front of each other as we're getting ready for school in the morning. And I'd be like, bro, you got something in your eye, bro. Like, get it. Like, and he'd be like, man, you got boogie in your nose. Get it, man. Like, you out here looking strange. Like, I'm like, man, what's that in your ears hanging out? Like, get it. Like, so we were, we were one another's mirror because we look so much alike. But can I tell you this? There's no mirror like the word of God. There's no mirror that will read your life like this word here will read your life. It will read you up down left right over under all those places but see here's what happens is this so many of us get caught up because we're too busy in other people's faces see here's what we need to do the scripture is calling us to perceive and understand our own face 
This word for own here is, is the word that refers to the origin or source, but it carries a sense of like, like first nature. So in, in other words, the, the word suggests that we should be looking at what God made us to be. That's referring to the origin. The reason we get in trouble is because we aren't focused on who God made us to be. We're focused on who we want to be in the moment. That's why we get into trouble. Because we don't want to be a punk when they're talking crazy to us. We don't. Fellas, like, we don't want to be no punk. <laughs> we don't want to be no punk. Especially not if they disrespect you in front of your shorty. Like, you like, <laughs> looking you up and down and stuff. Like, you small. <laughs> and you'd be like, hold up, cuz. Like, what's up? <laughs> you good? <laughs> my wife. <laughs> my wife. Y'all pray for my wife. She's not feeling well. But she said to me, she said, why do you always put extra bass in your voice when dudes walk by? I'm like, cuz I need to let them know. <laughs> they got to be on notice. <laughs> But here's what happens, is that we don't have, we, we are able to perceive and understand our own faces because we're constantly in other people's faces. We're focused on what they're doing versus on what God is doing in us. And so if we would take the time to properly consider what God is doing in us, Instead of focusing all the time on what God is doing in the lives of people who are around us, then we'll be able to walk in what God has called us to walk in. We'll be able to be what God has called us to be. And so we spend so much time all up in people's faces and all wondering about what they're doing and what they got going on and what they said. Like, you heard what they said to me? Like, relax. Like, how are you going to respond? Be worried about your own face. And, and, and I want you to see this because here, here's what he lays out for us. The word that he uses here for face is a word that means presence or, or, or countenance. You know, a person's countenance, like you, you see them and they don't look like themselves, right? You go, hey, what's going on with you? What's wrong? They'd be like, nothing. You'd be like, man, that's a little abrasive <laughs> for nothing going on. <laughs> and so you'd be like, you're right, fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Like, okay, I hear you. But their countenance gives you evidence, gives, gives you proof into what's going on in their hearts. And so what he's saying is this. He's saying, listen, he says, you, you need to be looking at your own countenance. You need to be looking at your own face and seeing what's going on in your heart. But I, I want you to catch the contrast here because here, here's what he's saying. James says that to be a hearer of the word and not, and not a doer of the word is like looking at your own face in a mirror. And when you do that, the, the word has a strong sense of being focused on the appearance that one presents. I'll explain it because y'all quiet and y'all didn't understand what I was saying. <laughs> When, when you are just a hearer of the word only and not a doer, that means that you're focused on appearances and not focused on the approval of God. See, James suggests that being a hearer only versus being a doer means that you're concerned more about your appearance before people. 
And being concerned about your appearance, here's what it does. It takes two forms. I'm going I'm to help you understand this. It takes on two forms. The first one is this, is that the person who doesn't do what he hears or she hears is concerned more about their outward appearance, i.e., their reputation. They are more concerned with how people see them versus how God sees them. And so when you're more focused on your reputation, you miss out on the main thing, which is to make his name most famous in all the earth. When you when you are focused solely on your reputation, you don't get to properly see what God is doing in your life. And you just miss what's happening with you because you're focused on what other people might think about you. Guess what? What people think about you is so fleeting. It's so fickle. It will change tomorrow. And if you adjust your whole life around trying to assuage people's ideas about you, guess what? You're going to spend your life running around after the wind because people's opinions change so much. <laughs> I got a friend like he he always speaks in definitives. He'd be like, man, I ain't never liked him. <laughs> and then listen. Like, a few weeks later, they have a conversation to do. He said, man, I always liked that guy, man. He was always cool with me. I'm like, man, last week you were saying you ain't never like him. <laughs> but hear this. Here's the second one. So being concerned about your appearance takes on, on two separate forms. The first one is, is you being focused on your reputation. Here's the second one. The person who doesn't do what he or she hears is concerned more about their external condition i.e. the repercussions. So you're either focused on your reputation or you're focused on the repercussions. They're more concerned with the effects of people's opinions versus being effective for God. And listen, I made a decision a long time ago when I came into ministry. I said, God, I want to be effective. I don't want people to like me. I don't care so much that people like me as I care that I'm being effective and that I'm doing what you called me to do and leading them and guiding them. And so when we make that commitment that we're less concerned about what people think about us and more concerned about what God thinks about us and being effective for him and making change in the world and, 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 and affecting our fields and, and making things change and translating things through the lens of God. Like when we are more committed to that than we are our own reputation and the repercussions of our external condition, then we're truly walking in the main thing. So he tells them, this is like, here, take this mirror. Like he said, you, you. To be a hearer and not a doer of the word, it's like, it's, it's, it's like look, someone looking in a mirror at his own face. James has given us this example, but in ancient times, mirrors weren't made out of glass like they are now. They were made out of steel. And so I want you to imagine like holding up a piece of steel and trying to see yourself in it. If you polish it up really good, like you can see yourself, but... You don't quite see yourself how you do when you're looking in a glass mirror. When you look at the mirror in the bathroom, like, you can see everything. You can see your eye color. Like, you can see the grays in your beard and all that stuff like that. <sighs> Shout out to whoever pointed that out to me in Growth Track today. They are like, wow, Pastor, we can really see your grays in that video. I'm like, come on. Like, get with me. <laughs> but here's the contrast that I want you to see. The contrast I want you to see is that James is saying, like, you look in the mirror, but you're not looking in the mirror. 
See, you've got to really look into the mirror, which is the word of God. You will see yourself clearly through the word. You will be able to realign yourself clearly when you look into the word of God. And so here's what I want you to imagine now. I want you to imagine waking up in the morning, going to the bathroom, looking in the mirror. And going, dang, like, my eyes are puffy. <sighs> I got a crust in my eye. Man, what's up with my hair? My hair is just looking crazy. Like, what's up? Beard all matted down. Because I got beard strength. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just matted. Like, looking like. And then you walk away. You go walk away. You put some clothes on. And you go to work. Then brush your teeth. <laughs> then wash your face. <laughs> None of that. You just looked at the mirror, got dressed, and went about your business. Is that absurd to anyone? <sighs> like, you can't just be out here. <laughs> you can't just be out here like this. Like, go home. Like, go brush your teeth. Clean your face. You know, we got kids. Like, you know, go wash your face. And they go, okay. And they go upstairs. And they come back down. And they still have all the same stuff in their eye. <laughs> like, what you doing? Like, go wash your face. I did wash my face. Like, no, you didn't. That's what we do with Jesus. <laughs> we go before Jesus. Jesus, help me. God, change me. God, do something new. He's like, all right, go ahead. Practice what I've taught you. And we just walk away. We don't do what he says to do. And then we come back confused about why our lives look the way that we, they look. Well, you didn't do anything that he told you to do. But you can't just go out here like a mess, spiritually speaking. Like, keeping the main thing, the main thing means acting upon what you know to be right and not just ignoring it. We can't ignore what we know to be true. We have to follow the word of God. We can't just be out here doing what we want to do, living how we want to live, thinking how we want to think. We got to do what the word says. And if you're going to do that, here's what you need. So my last point is you need a reflective mind. You need a reflective mind. Verse 24, he says this. He says, for he who looks at himself, for, he says, for he looks at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he is. See, this looking in the mirror, like the person, they all up in the mirror, they seeing everything wrong with them. Seeing the boogies, the crusts, not all that stuff like that. And then they just go away. Here, here's a simple phrase to help you understand it. Out of sight, out of mind. And that's what happens when you don't have the word of God written on your heart. It becomes out of sight, out of mind. The reason that you don't do what the word says most of the time is because you don't even know what the word says to do. Like, we got to know what the word says, y'all. Like, we got to know what the word tells us to do. Stop being confused about why your life looked the way it looked. It looked that way because you don't know what the word says. That's why you got to read your word every day. I ain't saying you got to read full chapters and books of the Bible, but, like, read something. You wouldn't leave the house without looking in your mirror. Why do we leave our house spiritually and don't look in the mirror? Like, we got to look in the mirror each and every day. And see what the word has to say. But Jesus says that we, 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 see, 
we we quickly that stuff quickly goes out of our minds because we we're forgetful and we forget everything <laughs> like we forget where we come from that's why you be acting all new in front of people because <laughs> you forget where you came from acting like you ain't never struggled acting like you ain't never been in a bad relationship before but then you turn up your nose at people when they in bad relationships and they won't leave like we forget who we are and who we belong to we forget where we're going and so here's the word for forget he it's not like absent-mindedness that he's referring to here. The word he's referring to means this, to no longer care about it. To give it over to oblivion. See, we forget because we don't care. We don't care in that moment. That Jesus is calling us to restrain ourselves and be gentle. We don't care. We gonna go for blood because we think we deserve to go for blood. We gonna cuss them out because we think it's our right to cuss them out. We gonna cheat because they cheated. James is saying, listen, he says, when, you, when you're a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, you neglect the kind of person you are. You no longer care about the quality of person that you're called to be. And here's what we're called to. We are called to have the characteristics of Christ. And loving the word helps us to do that. That's why that hangs up on the banner back there. Because we want to help you love the word, which will help lead you to being a person who pursues the main thing, which is Christ and his kingdom. And so being doers of the word helps us to do that. We can't just hear the word and walk away. I.e., you can't just come to church on Sunday and hear pastor preach a word and then go out the door and live like you didn't hear anything at all we, we can't leave from sitting under the word and and and, and studying the word together and, and and singing songs together and just go out and live however we want to live jesus hasn't called us to that but when we forget the kind of person we are the quality of person we are if we if we were to be people who are doers of the word and not just hearers here's the result James chapter 1, verse 25 says this. He says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, meaning they fight for obeying the word of God. They fight to look intently at what's going on in their lives. They, they persevere, they grind it out. He says, but the person who looks intently into the law, the perfect law of freedom the law of God is not bondage. It's freedom for you. It sets you free. It's not a chain about your, about, your, about your ankle. It's a freedom. And if we persevere in that, and if we're not forgetful hearers, but a doer who works, and you've got to put in some effort, 
Here's what he promises. This person will be blessed in whatever they do. If you want to be blessed by God, don't forget his word. If you want to be blessed by Jesus, and you want your circumstances to be blessed, if you want your finances to be blessed, if you want your relationships to be blessed, then don't forget his word. His word has principles for you. It has guidelines for you on how to manage your money. It has guidelines for you on how to be in relationships. And he teaches us how to do all those things. And so if you will commit yourself to the word of God, then guess what you'll be? You'll be blessed. And so it's my prayer that here at Epiphany Church, we'd be a people who love the word and walk fully in the blessings of God. My prayer is that we would be a people who have access to all of the blessings that Jesus has for us and that we walk in it because we already have access to it. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus already. <clears throat> so there's nothing that you, that you need that you don't already have in Christ. And so maybe you're here today and you haven't met Jesus before. Maybe you're here and you haven't met the one you with an abundant life. In John 10, 10, he says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so Jesus is calling each and every one of us to new life in him. The old life that you used to live, he promises you that it's not as good as the new life that he will give you if you would just place your faith and trust in him and make a commitment to walking with him. That's what Jesus promises. So maybe you're here today, you, you haven't had that opportunity before. We want to invite you to that. We got folks who are here who will pray for you. We got folks here who will walk you through what that means. To give your life over to Jesus. He has better control over your life than you will ever have over your life. If you would just surrender it to him. And so, scripture says that if you just confess and believe, Jesus rose from the grave and he died for you for your sins and you confess that with your mouth then you can be saved and what we mean by that is we mean that having faith in Jesus leads you to a lifelong commitment to him not just a one time response and so won't you take a next step of faith this morning every head bowed every eye closed if you're in here this morning you're saying, man, I just want to walk with Jesus. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I just want to walk with We just ask you to lift your hand. We'll pray for you. If, if, if you're in the room and you're saying, I, I, I don't know all about this Jesus stuff, but I, I know that I need something different in my life. I know that I need a change. I know I need to be transformed. Jesus is the only power. He's the only person who can transform your life. And so put your trust in him. Turn to him. Trust in him. He'll give you everything you need. Father, I pray today that you would receive glory. God, I pray, God, that your people would know you and that they might come to know you through loving your word. Father, 
Grow us in deeper knowledge of you, Jesus. Help us to be more deeply committed to you, Father. Help us to grow more firmly in our relationship with you, God. Help us, God, to pursue after the main thing and not just ourselves. Because we are your people. And we're the sheep of your pasture.